that's the most important thing when in cooking sometimes you forget about it when it's all stripped away and it's just the creativity I think of putting things together I think is, is super important. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There have been many on Deep in the Weeds that have shared similar advice for young professionals. Find a great restaurant and learn from someone who is at the peak of their craft and can be a great mentor. It's easier said than done, but what impact does it have on those finding their place in the industry to learn under sound mentors? Simon Palmer is the head chef of Echo Bistro in Brisbane. Simon, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Anthony. Good to be on. It's good to have you on the show. You've um, worked under some pretty incredible chefs at the moment. Uh, you're in Brisbane with Philip Johnson. Um, what's it like working with him? Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. Like, um, you know, like there was a like a clip that I watched, you know, ages ago when I was like first a chef and it was Neil Perry talking about, um, you know, working working in the industry and that, um, you know, you just strive to, to work with people that you respect um, is like the biggest thing because, yeah, like I think if you don't have the respect, um, then then you, you just don't want to give your all. So um, to work with someone that you kind of respect and, and, and get along with, I think, is, is a massive thing. Um, yeah. Philip's in, uh, influence is huge. And I want to get into, um, you know, your role at Echo Bistro a little bit later on. Um, but what's things like at the moment in Brisbane? It's been a pretty turbulent couple of years, but where are you placed? Yeah, well, I've been I've been away and back and um, been a couple of different places, but uh, Brisbane keeps bringing me back. Um, yeah, I really I really like Brisbane. It's just the culture up there is just is just fun, and you know the food up there. There's lots of different different kind of cuisines, but um, but yeah, just the general attitude to food and 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 restaurants. I think got some really good chefs up here. Um, their focus is just is is a one. I think so. Um, yeah, I think the culture is just is just good. I think that's that's a thing. Um, just got lots of chefs around that love to chat and support each other. So which is good. The evolution of uh, Brisbane's culinary landscape has been quite extraordinary in the last decade. Uh, what's it been like for you being part of that and where, where do you see it at the moment? Yeah, well, I see, you know, um, it's just kind of, it's it's always progressing. Um, you know, like I, I did a couple of uh, stages and, and stuff and down in Sydney and, you know, people are kind of like, you know, um, you know, kind of where's Brisbane at? Like, you know, Sydney, Sydney was pushing on and, and Brisbane was kind of, you know, behind Sydney. Um, but I think these days, yeah, like, um, you know, the food's just honest, which is good. And, um, you know, it's approachable and, um, it's quite creative as well. So, um, I find it, yeah, you, there's lots of different places and, and different attitudes. So, I think the food really kind of reflects like yeah a lot of a lot of people's talent which is um you know um which is good because it's just it's small smatterings of just um you know great food so um it's a little bit different to sydney but yeah i find it it just you know it's just accelerating in terms of you know different ideas and different concepts and um you know bringing on um you know what what people want to put on the plate up here, I think, is important. Not just 
not, not, not always customer focused, which is good. Take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Um, yeah, well, like I come from pretty much a, a non-food background. Um, my, my dad was a plumber and um, my mum worked in real estate. But, um, you know, my auntie, she was, she was an um, interior designer, like a very, very um, artsy kind of person. And we used to often be in Sydney and she used to take um, us out as kids to, you know, all different kind of cool cafes in Newtown and, um, you know, just all over Sydney. And, um we kind of had a tradition, um, <clears throat> the Palmer family with this just uh, kind of yum chai every Christmas and, um, you know, just experiencing different different food, I think, um, was amazing. Um, and, you know, like kind of – it's a bit bit kind of strange, but like half of my side of my family um, on my dad's side are uh, like half Chinese. So, um, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with, um, you know, a lot of Chinese food, a lot of um, Cantonese food and, and stuff like that and just different flavours um, that I wasn't used to and, you know, I was – just a, a kid from Newcastle. I didn't really know much, but yeah, just proper home cooked, you know, um, Cantonese food is just um, it's a bit different. So um, yeah, it got it got me around some some different concepts. So yeah, it was quite nice. Are there any um, dishes or feasts from from those days that uh, you remember that you can tell us about? Yeah, well, yeah, we used to you know go around to. Um, go around to like my second uncle's place and um yeah it would just be a massive you know he had a massive like you know koi pond and all sorts of things and we used to sit out in the garden and um yeah just like he'd make his own barbecue pork and 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 like kind of noodle salads and and all sorts of things um so yeah it was just a it was an amazing experience and we'd have you know like second second cousins first cousins it didn't really matter it was just a it was just a, a good good Christmas. So, um, yeah, there's just kind of little experiences like that for me with food is just, um, you know, kind of rocks me to just not be too vanilla, just, just to, um, yeah, just when food's good and flavor's nice, just, yeah, it just works. So. When did you first start thinking about a career in hospitality and what allured you? Uh, yeah, well, I was kind of, um, going through high school and, um, you know, one of my best friends, um, you know, we kind of we often just mucked around in the kitchen like uh, um, at home and and just tried to uh, come up with dishes based on what was in the cupboard. Um, it was always terrible but um, I think the idea was just uh, – it, w- it was fun, you know, like um, we kind of both enjoyed food and, um, you know, school was kind of like, you know, we were never going to rock the world with um, university or anything like that. So um, we just kind of, you know, knuckled down and just uh, dominated a hospitality class and and then um, just kind of, yeah, just really got a, really got a taste for it. And, um, yeah, so like kind of – after that, like, uh, did a bit of work experience at school. I got a job at a Japanese restaurant um, as a kitchen hand. Uh, there was no dishwasher, so it was all hand-washed dishes, um, 130 covers. Um, but, yeah, so um, it, it was quite different. But um, working at a Japanese restaurant, uh, I used to, like, prepare kind of for the, the tepans for, uh, for the chefs and, and get yelled at in Japanese. And, um, yeah, but, like, the camaraderie in the kitchen was was great. Like some of the, you know, it was it was hard, but um, 
some of the the nicest people I've ever met and um, showed me a lot um, when I was just 16. So that kind of gave me like a little bit of a spurt, but it was still kind of just a dormant thing at that stage. You spent a, a lot of your early on career in Newcastle where you grew up. T- tell us about the, the venues that you, you worked at and, and what you took from your time at them. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was kind of kind of a crazy, you know, a couple of years in my first years of my apprenticeship. Um, I went up to work for like a, a friend of my brother's who who opened a pub in in, in Maitland. Um, so I used to travel, you know, an hour an hour and a half to on the train every day to get to work, and and um, you know, I'd rock up and do thirteen hour days, and then back on the train back home. Um, that lasted about three months, but, um, yeah, I found a job at a place called Engine Room in, in Newcastle, which was, you know, the, the harbour was kind of humming at that stage. It was a big development and, um, it was a big breakfast cafe place and it was, and it was, it was busy. Um, um, but yeah, I kind of fell into a, into a role that was a bit weird for someone at a, a first, second year stage. We, we lost all, all of our chefs and it was just me and the head chef and a busy restaurant. So, um, but yeah, it's just kind of funny, like, um, a guy called Juan Hernandez and, um, he just, um, you know, he, he just had to do with what he had and, and, um, it was kind of amazing cause yeah, just, we had, you know, just just apprentices and we we seem to to get through and execute everything and um i think it built up a lot of people's experience so it was great but um yeah so but yeah then that was kind of just like a a small spot on newcastle at that stage and there wasn't there wasn't really a lot around there was you know restaurant two um that was kind of you know just starting to kick off with with hats and stuff and newcastle was just yeah was just kind of a thing that was a bit overlooked um at that stage um but then i moved on to a a place called atlas which was a a little a little 45 seater restaurant which ended up becoming restaurant mason um years later and um went for a guy called uh uh, but Barton and um, he was Michelin background, and him and his wife had moved to Newcastle and, and wanted to open like a classic, you know, little kind of French bistro. Um, but it was amazing, like uh, everything was made fresh to order. You know, none of the desserts were allowed to be made until um, an hour before service, and and um, and it was just a, a three man team, just me, Bart, and a guy called. Um, <coughs> Uh, um, Stephen Scott and yeah, we just um, it was just the three of us. <clears throat> breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, everything made to order. Breakfast, fresh hash for hash browns for for breakfast, and yeah, and we and I loved it, and it kind of um, it tore me down <laughs> many days. Uh, but but often told me that I had to bring uh, five uniforms to work every day because um, if he wasn't happy with something, you wore it. So uh, it, was, it was time to go upstairs and get changed. So it was a, a definitely a different experience and every day you were broken down about how the way you looked. And um, uh, But um, it, it was always like character building and then, then at the end of the week you were we weren't open for dinner so we would all go out for a, a steak dinner and then to – Bart's local pub and he paid for your dinner and drinks and um, he told you how you did a good job this week but even though he yelled at you all week so but yeah so that, that was kind of 
you know, that was Newcastle at that stage. It was, you know, just the, there's just rare little bits that you could get your teeth into. And then um, just ironically after that, after working that engine room, uh, Juan Hernandez had taken over at uh, Bacchus and, um yeah, he um, they got their first hat, and that was when Newcastle started to really started to kick into some kind of a food scene um, with the destination room restaurant. Um, so yeah, working working for him, and um, yeah, same thing. Couldn't find any chefs, and he, he knew me, and he knew that I was there to work, and um, straight on the pans at um, year three, and uh, the one hat restaurant, and. Uh, often cooking things and just bringing them up and just asking, does he think that's cooked? <laughs> uh, but um, no, it was amazing. And he left, and then um, and then um, Tim Montgomery came, and um, yeah, kind of all changed after that for me. Um, um, someone with a with a laser focus that you know wanted to improve and um, wanted to build something, which was amazing, and. I left for a little bit to, to go overseas, a kind of failed culinary adventure that um, didn't eventuate. And my mum kind of rang Tim when I got back and said, Simon's looking for a job. Can he come back? So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, it was definitely an experience. But, yeah, the, after that, I think Newcastle really took off in terms of, um, yeah, restaurants, I think. We've had Tim on the show and we've had quite a few chefs as well that have worked under him. Do, do you have any stories of of um, what it was like for you and the influence that he had on you at that time in your career? Yeah, well, I think I think it was like the total experience. I think um, he really picked people for their personalities and what they can contribute to 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 the restaurant, I think, which was amazing. Like, you know, people like Aaron Ward and Reese Connell and um, Isabel uh, Little, like they're just, um, they're just people that you just wouldn't think that um, they had a place in had restaurants, you know, Aaron Bean from Tari and moved down, but they're such dedicated people. And, um, yeah, like as I always say, like people with focus like that, um, achieve amazing things and um, yeah so like Tim just really yeah kind of cultivated a crew and we, we would just do anything to to make it happen um, so yeah there's like stories with Tim were just was always just lots of laughs I think and you know one time we, we went away for the, the Good Food Awards um, went down to Sydney um, you know we all celebrated getting another hat and we'll, you know, we celebrated hard and we're back at work the next day. Um, we left Sydney at, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning. We're all back in the kitchen. Tim decided that um, he wanted to put an Asiata rabbit on with about 46 touches on the plate. Um, everyone's sweating and just uh, a little bit hungover and not feeling the best. But, um, yeah, we, I don't know, we pulled out a 100 people service with... Uh, a couple of brand new dishes and um, yeah, just from scratch and everything was ordered the night before after the awards and it was a bit of a mismatch, but yeah, we definitely, we definitely made it happen. It was just, but um, we just loved it. I think it was, it was something that, you know, I've, I've talked to Aaron, you know, a while ago, just about some of the food that we did and um, 
you know, like it just it was just unheard of. Like no one in no one in Newcastle could, you know, pull that out. And I think the the coinage was just always it was just beautiful naturalness. So um, everything that everything that just was on the plate was just how do you play that? It's just it's just beautiful naturalness. Um, it's just that's how it is. Just if you you think it's how it works and that's how it does. And I think that's a good mentor where they can just. Yeah, put the ownership onto somebody um, to achieve something can, yeah, just because people can do things um, that you just didn't realise that were possible. So, yeah. What triggered the move uh, for you up to Brisbane? Um, yeah, well, it was that stage. I worked pretty much everywhere what I thought was good. Um, I had a small um, shot at being a head chef of a little wine bar in Newcastle and, you know, tried to put on some of the food that we, we did at Bacchus and, Tim would come in and I'd, you know, be trying to impress him with some stuff that we, we did in the restaurant and um, working a million hours and, uh, you know, yeah, just for a small wine bar and didn't really know anything about food costs or, or how to run a kitchen but um, just thought it was a good idea and um, that kind of finished up. Um with my wife was, uh, you know, she was desperate to, to find some work and we, we need to, to move to an area where she could get a job and Brisbane was that place and, um, yeah, we just thought let's, let's just try something and, yeah, we got an interview at Urbane. Um, ben Williamson and, and Kim Machen were the head chefs at the time and um, I, I moved up there thinking that's who I was working for and when I got up there it turned out to be um, Alessandro took over and um, a guy called Peter Kelly um, who I actually lived for lived with for two weeks to try and move up there because uh, he was he was that desperate to get somebody um, but yeah so um, yeah it was just kind of just it was just a a chance to to improve myself, I think, um, and find, you know, see if I can do what I think I can do. You mentioned Ben Williamson and you ended up working with him at uh, Gerard's Bistro. Um, what, what was he like to work with? Um, yeah, well, like, as I always said, it, he's, he's an uncompromising person and I think that's, that's so important in, in, in the job um, because, yeah, you can definitely – Sometimes just put yourself in a hole because you've got to compromise on what's what you got in front of you and and what what it is. But you know, we had at one stage we had forty six dishes on the on the menu. We're doing one hundred and thirty covers a night. We're restaurant of the year and we got five staff. But um, but that just kind of bred some really good chefs like you know Tim Scott and Angus Baker. Like you know. We just we just tried to make it possible for Ben. That was that was our thing, you know. When we worked as hard as we could to, you know, we had whole beasts, you know, had whole pigs. We hold, uh, you know, rocking up ten minutes before service and um, hundred and ten for lunch. So, um, but yeah, when you got a good call like that and some good people, um, yeah, just yeah, I think it, it was good because yeah, we just knew that. Um, everything that we were doing was was for the best and um and putting the best thing on the plate and just having a good time and um and it was just nice and refreshing to see somebody just just push the envelope um rather than just trying to 
just get through. So, yeah, like I always say, my time at Gerrard's was, was difficult and hard, but um, definitely built me to to be the chef that I am now and, and, and just to look at other people and tell them that it's not impossible. It's just, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta get in there and do it. I know there was a time frame where you were at Echo Bistro and then left to do some things. And now you've sort of turned full circle and, um, and you're back at Echo Bistro as, as head chef, that period of time when you left, uh, tell us a bit about that and what impact it had on you. Yeah, well, I think um, it was a bit of a whirlwind. I, I did Nusa Food and Wine Festival for Tim Montgomery when um, he was at Barados and um, uh, amazing experience and met some amazing people. And um, at that stage, I'd, I'd left Gerard's and I was I was actually working for Ben O'Donoghue um, at one of his restaurants. Um, and... Um, you know, uh, it was it was a breakfast restaurant, and you know, like I love working with Ben O'Donoghue. He was just such a great guy, and um, you know, had such a, a a great operation for what was a breakfast lunch place, and then uh, dinners were you know just amazing food that he just wanted to do, which was was such a cool concept, which I thought was great. But um, yeah, I did asked if I could just take two weeks without pay so I could help. Tim at Noosa Food and Wine Festival and um, yeah, I was kind of up there and I was, I was not sure if breakfast was kind of my thing and, and lunch like that but just working with Ben Donahue was just like I thought was just a good experience and, and, and just such a, a good place to work but um, yeah, just, it was just ironic that I was working up there and Tim had heard that Phil was looking for somebody and, and that um, – yeah, that you know, I was just kind of in a bit of a in a in a void. I don't know what I wanted to do, and and Tim basically said to Phil, "You should talk to Simon." And um, never been a head chef before, just kind of just a CDP kind of junior sous, but then was offered the the head chef at Echo, and um, went there and whirlwind of experience. You know, like managing a kitchen, never done it before, had people under me that were much older than me and a team that was picked by Phil. But, um, yeah, it was just – it was three years of just um, of learning and then it came to a stage where, you know, I, I just had a kid and we just thought, you know, an, an experience is um, – not going to pass us by and I, I went down to the to the snowy mountains to um help rebuild a restaurant um and cooked austrian food for some reason um but um doing raclette and fondue and and all sorts of things but um but really build a base for myself like in terms of you know some good paperwork and how to how to manage food costs and you know what how to manage a kitchen but yeah it was just a, it was kind of almost cathartic it was just you know, in the mountains with my daughter and, and my wife, and we lived in the in the hotel. Uh, we were thirty seconds from work, and um, you go down the kitchen and you know do what you wanted to, and if you wanted to, and if not, you just kind of um, in the mountains. But yeah, it was just it was just a weird experience, but it was something that I think was so good for me to do because it just kind of allowed me to disconnect for a moment because yeah lots of things happened at echo that i wasn't really ready for you know we got two hats in the first year and never had two hats before and um it just kind of exploded and um i don't think i was really ready for it i just you know just kind of fell into it so but um yeah just kind of been away and then came back from the snow and was back in brisbane and just didn't think i really fit 
anywhere in Brisbane at that stage. And then a job came up at in Byron Bay at Beach, um, part of the Fink Group. And, um, yeah, I definitely dived at that. I thought it was a great opportunity and moved down there. And yet again, COVID, and, um, but we, we didn't lock down, so we're just so busy. Um, but an amazing experience and working with some absolute professionals um, was, yeah, like a, a great experience. And um, it was just, it wasn't right for our family, just the for Byron Bay at that stage. So, yeah, we moved back to Brisbane and had a brief cameo at some places. But then um, Phil was looking for someone and, yeah, just, um, I don't know what it is about Phil, but, yeah, like if everyone always says if Phil calls, you always have to to answer and talk to him. Um, so, um yeah, it's just it's just a you know where, where they've come from and how he he pivots and 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 moves through the, like difficult times in the industry. I think it's amazing, and um, I've always loved Phil just because he just yeah he can he definitely gives you the adage to just go out and do it. He never tries to micromanage, so he's just he always puts his trust in people, so which is great. You mentioned that when you were head chef at Echo Bistro originally, you were, it was three years of learning. Looking back at the way you operate now, how, how much have you changed as a head chef? Um, yeah, well, I think uh, I think when I first started, uh, I definitely cooked food that I knew and um, was based on where I'd been. Um, rather than what I actually wanted to do. Um, um, but, yeah, I think now I'm just, yeah, Phil kind of drums into you that um, you're in charge and you're there to organise. So um, organisation skills just, just come on board just from failing um, many times. But then you, yeah, you come through the end and um, your skill set's just, just way different so I think me as a chef now just so, so much more comfortable with my food because um you know Phil's definitely had a, a big influence and just he just is always about simplifying and and just um just just really working on what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve so um yeah I think I don't think if I didn't have that I think my food would be very different Tell us about the um, working relationship that you have with Phil. Is is there a collaboration with the food? Is there a, a license for you to do whatever you want? Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, well, when I first um, moved to Echo, um, uh, I think that it, it was a lot of Phil's influence and um, we, we had a meeting like um, for, for taking the job and, and Phil basically just said, um, listen, we've, we've done the same thing for – for 15 years and um, it's working but I think it's time to really release someone that we think that you know can to change Echo and, and bring it into what what's going on and I was like okay and he's said write me a menu and um, I'll see if I like it and so I wrote him a menu never seen the kitchen or, or working in it and um, he just said I think that's 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 what we want and um, and then after that he just You'd write menus, you'd get him to taste things and um, he'd just be like, you just got complete freedom. Um, he said, oh, I just trust you. Like, you, you got you got a palate, you know how to season, you know how you know how it needs to look. Um, so just go for it. And I think that's what kind of brings you back when somebody puts so much trust in you to 
to take the restaurant to somewhere um, that's going to improve it, yeah, it's it's incredible. What sort of impact did that license have on you and and your belief in sort of your own food? Um, yeah, I think it, it was difficult because yeah, it was you know I had to draw on things that I'd done before to to you know build something, but. Um, but I think now these days, yeah, it's just it, it's an amazing experience to just you know have somebody that, that trusts you and you you know you can put on what you know is tasty. Like some of the dishes aren't just just one kind of cuisine. It's a it's a multi layered of flavors and textures that just what I think just works. And Phil's always interested in it and he likes to taste it because it's just something that he would not think of so i think that kind of spurs him on to to keep going like with echo because he just knows that yeah there's just different things that he didn't know were around flavors that he hadn't tasted before but um yeah i think the alchemy of it just um just really works so yeah it's incredible are there is there a dish or two that you can tell us about that kind of exemplifies uh, where you're at with your cooking? Yeah, well, I think I think these days since I've moved back, um, we've definitely got we've pulled away from what was before, and then just tried to go a little bit more. Um, you know, just we had a customer in recently that um, kind of came up and you know gave us some good feedback, and he just said that. He really liked the food because it just provoked some conversation about places they've been and things that they've done and, and just picking up on flavours that, you know, he you know, he had tasted somewhere else but it was with some other things in a dish. So, like, at the moment we've kind of got a – like, a, we do, like, a set five course but um, it kind of changes every two weeks. Um, but at the moment we've got, like, kind of a palate cleanser dish on. It's a yogurt sorbet with um, compressed uh, green mango and um, just some beautiful strawberries, but just some different textures, like some jellies and and, um, and gels and, um, yeah, like just some compressed green mango, but um, with nasturtiums. I think it just, um, yeah, it's just some broad fruits and flavours that um, just really work together, but somehow, like, you know, it's not it's not one type of cuisine so yeah that's kind of one dish at the moment i think um exemplifies like you know how it how food should be it's just yeah it's based on taste and and profile i think more than what kind of cuisine you're trying to produce echo bistros had such an incredible influence over a long period of time in brisbane but the evolution has been extraordinary in the last sort of decade how mindful are you of the sort of um impact that it's already made and and moving forward with such a such an important restaurant for brisbane yeah well i think um yeah it's just it's kind of insane to think that yeah it's been going for so long um but it's just progressed through but i think it's a really important restaurant for for brisbane because um yeah, it just kind of just shows where Brisbane's at, and it, and Phil's always just tried to um, to to match what what's going on in Brisbane, and um, it's always a good indicator of like you know is Brisbane doing well because it needs to push forward, it needs to it needs to move with what what some people are pulling out. So um, yeah, I think the restaurant itself is just like a massively important thing in Brisbane because um, Institute restaurants. Uh, 
are around, but yeah, you see them more and more these days just falling by the wayside and and um, not being on the radar because um, you know it is just the institute restaurant and it's it's the place that you know it was good at one time, but um, but yeah, now it's you know it's kind of formed by the wayside, but I feel like, yeah, Echo's not one of those places. It's, it's something that it's always progressed. We've talked about um, the importance of some of the mentors in your career, but now you're in, in a role like that and mentoring younger chefs. What, what, what's your approach to get the best out of your staff? Yeah, well, I think my approach has always been, I think I started out when, you know, I was just qualified as, you could be a bit hot-headish and, and stuff like that, but People like Tim and uh, with, with Alessandro at um, Urbane really taught you that um, you don't need to yell, you don't need to scream. Um, I think you need to you need to work with what you got because um, you just need to to pull people along on the journey that you're trying to um, mm. you're trying to convey. And I think they appreciate that. They respect someone. Um, that knows that it's difficult to sometimes translate what you've got in your head um, because it's it's just something very foreign to them. But if you bring them along, um, they'll respect it for a lifetime. So um, I think, yeah, just the mentoring and just bringing people on the same journey that you did um, is really important because I think some people – their adage to food is a lot different. So, um, yeah, I think just cultivating people is is the key. You're doing some amazing things up there in Brisbane. Uh, what do you love about what you do? Um, I think, you know, I've gone away and done various things and different things, but, yeah, I think always brings you back to the, the, the creation and the, and the alchemy of, of food, I think, is the big thing of just being able to um, produce something that um, – you think that rocks somebody's world, um, yeah? Because I think that's the that's the most important thing when in cooking. Sometimes you forget about it. You've got to do the numbers and you, you've got to hit the the targets and everything. But sometimes um, when it's all stripped away and it's just the it's just the creativity. I think of putting things together. I think is is super important and it's and it's good for your mind. I think as well um, because you're putting something that was in your head out there to the people and, um, you know, and it, it's out of your head now. I think that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Simon, it's amazing to um, have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, good luck with what you're doing up there in Brisbane. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.